was all right in the long shots, but when it came to close-ups, sustained emotion was beyond me. Jean Arthur Hello again. Here we go. Chapter 9. I had the house to myself. I walked through the rooms the night I dropped Cooper off. The damn place was a colossus of another era, which, when we bought it, had been frosted over with the pink and beige aesthetic of the 1980s. The pink and the beige were the first things to go, then the wall-to-wall carpeting, and then all the mirrored walls in the bathrooms. For God's sake, who wants to see themselves endlessly reflected on the potty? In any case, it didn't feel like home to me, even after the extensive redecoration. On the plus side, we had plenty of space to stretch out. The house had eight bedrooms, but I shared the master with Dave. I hadn't yet the nerve of Madame du Berry, who had slept in an adjoining suite to Louis, but the titanic king-size bed felt to me like an ocean liner. Plenty of room, plenty of distance, but not too much. I walked into my dressing room and dumped my bag on the floor, and then I crouched down beside it and dug for something. I, I, I needed to find a picture. I found it. It was on a ring of Polaroids. Shots from the film with a scribble of ink on the bottom that noted a scene number or the picture represented anything or anybody that Cooper had commented on. They were visual references. I had dozens of them stashed in file boxes. What I was looking for in my bag was a candid, a candid of Cooper, something I would have snapped while he wasn't looking. I just wanted to see his face. I found the picture. Cooper's hair was swirling in the wind, his eyes were glinting above sharply defined cheekbones, and his pale skin was flushed by a day spent on an exterior location. I sat with the picture in the palm of my hand for nearly an hour, and then I got up, went to the bathroom, took a scissors from the drawer, cut the picture in half, and tossed it in the trash basket. I took a bath. I went to bed. On Saturday, I invited Polly, Darla, Natalie, Jane, and Chep over for strawberry daiquiris and steak tacos. I spent the evening whirling drinks in the blender and chopping mangoes and onions for salsa and grilling steak, and then whirling more drinks. I worked at a steady hum between kitchen and patio. My friends were a self-perpetuating juggernaut of conversation and laughter. At roughly midnight, they trailed out the front door except Shepard Carlyle, who stood in the front hall and said, You barely said one word all evening. Neither did you hear one. What is the matter with you? I know, you you were all talking about some kind of personality categories and their combinations, like bird, horse, or muffin, and the occasional troll. You said Cooper was a bird horse. I heard it. I don't know. I... I still had the jittery sensation I was in somebody else's house. All I saw was Cooper. Every time somebody spoke, I heard, I need you. I was a literalist. Gingerbread in, or I need you. It was the same to me. I wanted to take a bite. I squeezed the back of my neck. I, hey, you want to go out? You want to go outside and sit? Let's go. Let's go sit, I said. Shep followed me back out to the patio. We sat on a cast-iron couch with an upholstered cushion. 
I kicked off my shoes and folded my legs up beneath me. Shoot, honey, said Shep. You are getting too skinny. Your fanny has almost entirely disappeared. It's the hours. Mm-hmm. I know how that goes. Did I mention those girlfriends of yours could chatter the steel off an army tank? Whew, my ears are ringing. He was talking, but I was thinking of Cooper, sitting beside me on the hood of my car. Oh, no. Now, honey, you look like I need a drink. Suddenly, he was on his feet. I'm going to make us a hot toddy. What's a hot toddy? I said, unfolding my legs and standing. I don't know. I'm going to make it up as we go along. Like whiskey and honey and a cinnamon stick, all warmed up in a teacup with a lemon peel. Lemon peel? L-E-M-O-N. Lemon. Look. He said, reaching right up into a fruiting tree and plucking it down. You have one right here. You got a demitas? That'd be nice. A little porcelain cup for our drinks. Maybe I'll even light them on fire. You'll see. I'm a born mixologist. I thought that was somebody who studied mushrooms, I said, following Shep into the kitchen. No, unless you're a mushroom. Shep rifled through the kitchen cabinets and set up an assortment of jars and bottles on the counter, along with a copper saucepan. He ended up pouring the concoction he brewed into coffee mugs and handed one to me. Here, sip on that and tell me what's going on. I took a sip. Whatever Shep had warmed up, it still was a hundred proof. I said, I didn't know Cooper Daniels had a girlfriend. <laughs> he didn't have a girlfriend way back when. I guess you should remember the words, uh, and girlfriend, singular. Jesus Christ Almighty, he dated. Oh, man, did he date the prettiest, craziest girls he could find. I was on a movie with him. He was the dolly grip. He pushed that camera around and cracked wise. Anyway, it was my first movie. That's when I got the bug. When you're done, nothing else seems so exciting. It's just adrenaline all the time. Hmm, maybe that's why Cooper goes for the crazy, keeps him on his toes. Well, I, I don't know if she's pretty or crazy, but whoever he was seeing recently, he's not seeing her anymore. He tossed somebody's engagement ring down a canyon last night, just whipped it away. I cocked my wrist and released it, like that. What's it to you, Billy Taylor? I passed my hands over my eyes, brushing away inconvenient thoughts. Well, Billy Taylor, you might be kind of okay looking, but you're not crazy. You're not that kind of crazy, are you? I took another gulp of my hot toddy. You know, my mom and dad came out to visit me when I was on that first movie. I took them to set, and Grauman's Chinese, Max Factor's, we looked at every little bitty star on Hollywood Boulevard and had hot fudge sundas at C.C. Brown's. The day they came to set to see me at work, oh my, Cooper had this girl hanging around. She was wearing some kind of white bra kind of short play suit thing with a black leather jacket on top and ankle-high stiletto boots. He said, she, he said he wanted to get her a line so she could get Taft Hotlid. One minute, Taft Hartlead? If you get a line on a movie, kind of spontaneously, because all of a sudden they need someone in a role they never thought of getting before, or thought to cast, most likely, then you get Taft Hartlead. It's a labor law. 
and, and with it, you can get into SAG. Ah, and everybody wants their SAG card so they can get residuals. Yes. Anyway, my mama took one look at that outfit and she told me in no uncertain terms that Mr. Daniels was consorting with the kind of caricature of a woman that a gay man dates before he finally figures out he likes boys. You ever date anybody who wore ankle-high stiletto boots? Mrs. Taylor, I have never dated a girl, period. Oh, so your parents know you're gay. Since I was about knee-high to a grasshopper, what do they do? There's only a couple things you can do in Athens. They teach at the university. Wow, they sound neat. They are neat. You're trying to change the subject, said Shep. Well, I guess I'm not that kind of crazy. However, I was in love, or deeply in crush. Most likely unrequited, but strong nevertheless, and boy, did it impact my critical thinking. Whether or not Cooper Daniels was worthy of that much thought wasn't the issue. Cooper had a hold on my psyche, and I couldn't shake it. We were the same age. We both had something to prove. We had a stimulating frisson. And we both were interested in the same things. In my infatuation-enhanced state of mind, I didn't pause to consider. Perhaps our primary shared interest was Cooper himself. He was jocular, certainly. Additionally, one of his favorite phrases was, My universe and welcome to it. Yeah, that he was an egotist was undeniable. You had to be to become a director. The thing was, he had this humor that spoke to me, and he could read me like a book. Well, the parts of the book I left open to be read, which apparently were a lot more than I was aware of. Jake, Mr. Booker, and Dave all came home. Summer turned into autumn. The movie was being prepared for a November release. Around the time Anita Hill started testifying about being sexually harassed by prospective Chief Justice Clarence Thomas in October of 1991, I started to take notice again of the outside world. What I noticed was the groping from the staff and the teasing from the higher-ups, which I had been subject to, stopped the same time Cooper Daniels threw away the diamond ring in May. Over the summer, I had achieved favored nations status, and everybody knew it. How had I gotten there? I was convinced it was because I played the chaste matron, Cooper's Girl Friday, with wit. If there was a touch of the unattainable in that, something just a little sexy, it wasn't intentional. Much. You had to get through me to reach Cooper and that included his agents, the studio bosses, and even lesser mortals. Memos flew, such as this exchange between the film's production manager, the head bean counter, and me. Memo, Billy Taylor, CD, otherwise known as Cooper Daniels, requires toy poodle for Tuesday's reshoot. Picks and costs to follow. The dog at $175 per prep day for one day and $350 per shoot day. Two dog trainers each at $34 an hour, eight hours minimum portal to portal. 
transportation for dog at $200 per shoot day. Wanted you to know the costs. Memo, production manager, we know. And CD wants the dog to be riding a bicycle too. Factor in extra prep. Memo, Billy Taylor. Actually, CD wants the dog to drive the getaway car. As you know, he will need opposable thumbs for this, so I have arranged immediate surgery. Estimated cost to follow. Suddenly, everyone called me Mrs. Taylor. The respect afforded me wasn't exactly a substitute for the affection I dreamed about, lying at the other end of the king-size bed while an ever-thickening Dave snored. My dreams of the mercurial Cooper were vivid, frequent and vivid, but it would do, and I wanted more. Therefore, I had a change of plans. I no longer wanted to serve the requisite time to support my confidential long-term plan, sequestered away in post-production, relegated to the grunt work of cataloging and winding film reels as an editorial trainee. I wanted to keep facilitating Cooper's career and, by association, my own. I jumped on the fast track. I decided to stick around. And when, during a publicity push during award seasons, I suggested this notion to Cooper, he said, Good. Now we're a team. I knew from minute one we were a good fit. That I saw him naked and slendered on rumpled sheets as he said that, was part of a book I strive to keep well hidden. Assistant to the director, to associate producer. That's how I got it done. Thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed the story, please tell a friend.